Danish leaders are among the worst in the world. Welcome to my podcast about work life and leadership in Denmark. Chapter 3. We urgently need a mind shift to happen. 60% of people in Denmark don't feel that somebody encourages their development. A similar number doesn't feel that they actually have the opportunities to learn and grow. The fact that only only 51% of people, or 52%, sorry, of people feel that they have what they know what is expected of them at work. All of that, those are those are frustrations. In this podcast, Pars and Jan will present and discuss some of the major findings from Gallup from 30 years of research and studies on work life all over the world. Gallup has two Nobel Prize winners in their research team. In the summer of 2022, Gallup presented their newest results from studying the engagement of employees in all regions of the world. In episode 2, managing partner in Gallup for Europe, Middle East and Africa, Pa Yang told us what he regards as Gallup's most important finding over 30 years in research. The finding is how daily managers act, behave and communicate is the absolute most important factor for how engaged employees are at work. And it determines up to 70% of employees' engagement at workplaces. This is one to remember. So once again, your daily leaders' behavior and communications account for up to 70% of your engagement at your work. The two major findings from Gallup's new global studies are 1. Negative emotions are on the rise all over the world's workplaces. 2. It is a very stable tendency that only 1 out of 5 are engaged in their job. Danish workers are often happy, but that does not mean that they are engaged. In this chapter, we continue our conversation from where episode 2 ended. What does communication, coaching and feedback really mean for our engagement at work? So there, there, you know, communication and you are being a communication expert, it, obviously there are multiple dimensions of communication, right? There is the, um, the, the formal communication, there's the informal communication. There's the company-wide communication that comes from leadership in terms of articulating a purpose, articulating a true north, articulating our strategy, where we're going, what we're trying to achieve. Um, then there's the communication I get directly from my manager and from my peers. And then there's the communication that is systemic, right? So there are internal communication channels, the, you know, from the, the, the pictures, the videos, the stories that we tell, how we tell them, when we tell them. And I always say communication is, um, it's like the soundtrack of a good movie, right? If you, if you watch the best movie in the world, okay? I recently watched Dune, uh, which I thought was a great movie, fascinating movie. And now if I would watch that same movie again, and we take away all of the sound effects, all of the sort of the background music, uh, the, 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 the accompanying tracks that really help to 
really strengthen the mood that the movie is trying to create, to really strengthen the point, the feelings that the movie is trying to generate. If we would take away all of those sounds, it would still be a good story, a very good story, because it's an amazing story, but the movie wouldn't be as good. And I think that internal communications is like the soundtrack of our culture film, of our leadership film. So the film is leadership, the film is culture, and we know what we want to do. We need our managers to give better feedback. But there's no, there's no uh, uh, accompanying music that's explaining and bringing that feeling to life. That what is it that is triggering a manager to say, I can really do this. I, this is right. This is true. Well, th those are the different messages that this manager is getting from what do we recognize? What do we celebrate? Uh, what do we, where are their consequences? Where do we say something is not working and we will not tolerate it? Um, and sadly, I think most organizations do not, my personal opinion, most organizations do not invest sufficiently in uh, internal communications. Um, this is a global study we did. Uh, I don't have data specific, to, data specific to Denmark, but I would assume it's very similar in Denmark. Two thirds of people who go to work say that they do not know what makes their company different from other companies. Two out of three. Yeah. Two out of three. Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot. So we are we are we spend so much time talking about our unique culture and how we're so special and our legacy. Yet our people don't feel it. And that's part of the internal communication, the communication culture you're talking about. Mm. We are not very good at storytelling. I could just add to you that I've been the manager of communication for many years, and I see a very clear <laughs> picture also today in Denmark that, that when we talk about communication in, company, in companies, then, you know, the CEO, his performance, his communications, the organizational communications, the marketing, the digital web, web systems and so on, a lot of uh, resources invested, but this internal communication, the help to the daily leaders, It's it's I don't see the same uh, in investment here. And 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 um, Taran, I think this is part of, and I'm very excited that you're talking about this topic because I think this is part of the mindset shift that urgently needs to happen. Um, just what do we prioritize? Let's take a simple example, something that happens on a large scale again and again: mergers and acquisitions. Right, we're bringing two large companies together. It's happened many times. It's very important. It's a source of creating value sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's a source of creating real business value for the world. And we should appreciate that. But then if you look at the budgets of how these integrations are done, you look at the budget for the technology into the integration, it's big. You look at the budget for the systems and structure integration, it's big. Um, you know. And then you look at the budget for the culture integration, it's a little bit much smaller. And then you look at the budget for the communication, how we're going to communicate it, and it's 50,000. So we're investing tens of millions in everything else. <laughs> But now time to tell the story. We think, ah, yeah, you know, we'll put it in an email. Everybody will understand that. Guess what? Nobody's reading these emails. It doesn't work. Um, And we, we, but we don't think it's very, very important. And that's, that's sadly, uh, um, a mindset shift that needs to happen. And I think um, the very easy way to do it is to quantify the impact. So what, what I do with organizations a lot is I know that effective communication is important, but it doesn't matter what I know or what you know, Soren. What's important is that the decision makers recognize the value because these people are business leaders. They're trying to drive 
the numbers forward. They're trying to create shareholder value. They're trying to create our stock price value. Uh, they're trying to re- create stakeholder value in some cases. Uh, they have objectives they're trying to hit. So unless we are effectively able to show them how uh, the communications culture, the leadership culture, and the levels of engagement directly influence their outcomes, it will never be prioritized. And I think uh, internal communications departments and HR functions have not done a good enough job of articulating the value of the work we're talking about right now. Why is it important to have leaders who can communicate well? Well, don't just say because, well, because it makes sense. It's a no, let's back it up with data. Show what the difference is in productivity. Show what the difference is in turnover. Show what the difference is in, in collaboration. Use hard numbers to actually show the impact of these things. And when you do, leaders, all of a sudden, you know, I have a couple of uh, executives that I work with who now allow me to sort of really coach them on a day-to-day basis on how to communicate because they just understand. They never thought it was important. Many of these people are engineers who like to solve problems. What's, what's important, we realize, is that people don't have bad intentions, right? Let's be very honest here. And I, don't, I haven't met many leaders who wake up and say, how can I be a bad communicator today? Or how can I confuse my workforce today? I don't meet many leaders who wake up thinking like that. I'm sure there might be some. I like you to say this because I also think that we, we I, I know you, it's also in your heart to turn this around to the potential. Uh, what can we going to do about this? <laughs> because a lot of good leaders, but but um, good people, good people. But, but I, I just want to ask you one thing before we, there's, Are there two issues in this? The first one is leadership. The second one, I just ask you this question, a little provocative maybe, but are are there a lot of employees working? We're so happy, we're so satisfied, we're alive, we have money enough, we don't have so many worries, we we can go on holiday and we can buy a new house and a new car and and everything. So so we don't need to be so, it's okay for us. So, So, so when things are not so good at job, then wow, if we could just manage okay, then then we, you know, like you go on the sideline and sometimes you're a part of the game and otherwise you're just watching your team playing and it goes fine, right? You that what does that picture say to you? Uh it's so the word that comes to mind listening to you talk is complacency, right? We are complacent because things are fine. And like I say, it's not a bad place to be. If I could choose, I would choose to be here, right? To be, I'd rather be disengaged but happy in life than be happy in life, uh, than be uh, engaged but unhappy in life. Just so we're crystal clear. If I have to choose one, I would absolutely choose the European model. But we don't have to choose because um, what these individuals who will answer like that and say, look, why do I need to care about being more engaged at work? I have everything I need. It's fine, it's work, I treat it like work. The reason they're saying that is because they don't know what they're missing. And what we try to show with the data is in Denmark, like in Europe, when, so, um, you know, 22% of people are engaged in Denmark. When we compare that group of people with the rest of Denmark, that group of people also feels less stress. Because when, you, when you're engaged at your work, it actually makes you more resilient. So it helps you on an emotional, personal level. The people in Denmark who are engaged are also less likely to treat their friends or family poorly because of stress. So in Denmark, if you're engaged at your job, 
you're less likely to fight with your wife, to put it very simply, or your husband. It actually has a negative effect on how you, you cannot, we have no way of compartmentalizing workplace emotions. Maybe if it was possible, it would be the solution. If we could just leave all of those emotions that we feel at work, the fact that um, many people in Denmark, uh, you know, um, uh, what was the number? Something like, I believe, let me just look it up. Uh, I think it's around 60% of people in Denmark don't feel that somebody encourages their development, right? That um, the, 60%. the majority, 60. Yeah, that, 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 um, that a similar number doesn't feel that they actually have the opportunities to learn and grow. The fact that only only 51% of people, or 52%, sorry, of people feel that they have what they know what is expected of them at work. All of that, those are those are frustrations. So imagine when you go to work, you have a job and you don't know what is expected of you. Yes, you can still work and waste a lot of your time, but that's a negative emotion that you're feeling. Uh, if you feel that nobody cares, that if you feel that your, your manager doesn't care about you as a person, Yes, you can ignore that and focus on the fact that you have a nice house and you have a safe street and you can go on holidays. But this is not in competition. This is a negative emotion and you cannot leave it outside of your life. You cannot just say, I'll pack it at work and I'll deal with those emotions at work. It has a negative effect on these individuals. And whenever people say what you said earlier on, which is, you know, well, if this is fine, maybe it's okay. It always tells me they don't know what they're missing. They don't know that they haven't enjoyed the benefit of a job that gives you purpose. That actually, you know, you don't work uh, just for money, but you work because it has a positive effect on your life, on your sense of purpose, on your sense of self. Now, that doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not saying all of us have to aim for that, but it's we, if we do, those of us who get it, it has a positive effect on our lives. And one last thing on that, because whenever I say that some people think, well, look, some people just need to pay bills, okay? And not every job is, you know, about passion. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are the feelings that I have. Some of the most engaged people, when I started my career in Gallup, I used to do a lot of focus group and stakeholder interviews. So going into hotels and talking to the workers and understanding how do you feel and why do you feel that way, um, you know, in, in manufacturing, you know, in blue collar roles. So these are not the fanciest or sexiest roles in the world, but we find people there too who have extremely high engagement levels with jobs that maybe you and I would think, how can you be engaged by that job? It seems like such a boring job, but guess what? When people are engaged in those jobs, they do those jobs better and they feel good about it. They actually feel, I once, I once interviewed um, a cleaner at a hotel and, and I asked her, you know, you know, do you feel that your job is important? She, was, she, she looked at me like I was an idiot. She was like, what? Well, of course my job is important. Why would you ask me that question? I'm like, no, I'm just trying to understand how you feel about it and why do you feel it's important? She's like, if I don't clean this place, people will sleep in dirty rooms. Are you kidding me? It's extremely important. Like she felt such a strong personal sense of purpose that she was making the difference. Now, let's be honest. The truth is she wasn't making the difference. If she wasn't there, somebody else would clean the room. The room would be fine. <laughs> but still, what's important is how she felt. She felt that she was making a difference. And you know what that does to her? It builds her confidence. It builds her, her resilience. It makes her more open for feedback. It makes her uh, happier, to use that word again. So, so I think it's, um, we should not think that we don't need it. We're fine. We should realize that what kind of upside do we have? Denmark today has 22% 
of the workforce who is engaged at work. What would Denmark look like if that number was 50%? Yeah, I sometimes just think plus 10%. Uh, listen, we talk a lot about efficiency and uh, problems with workforce and the welfare in Denmark and Uh, economical problems ahead and we have the Ukrainian war and we have the uh, climate issues and everything. Uh, listen, if we could just raise our engagements 10%, uh, what would happen? This was the end of chapter three. We urgently need a mind shift to happen. I do believe that chapter 4 speaks for itself. Passing Young discussed in this chapter the huge potential for our societies and for us as individuals if we in Denmark can raise engagement and work by just 10%.